Welcome to Free Chapel Spartanburg with Pastor Javon Ruff. Let's join the service in progress. Thank you all for being here. I'm going to jump right into the Word. If you have your Bibles, go with me to 1 Peter chapter 5. I'm going to begin reading at verse 6. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6. And I'm so thankful that all of you are here this morning. All the backslidden people are still at home. Didn't want to get up this morning. They're going to miss the trumpet when it sounds too. Pray for them. I'm just playing. I'm just playing. Somebody got up tight that quick. It's chill. God is good. God is faithful. I'm going to jump into this word this morning. How many, if you were here a couple weeks ago, I was in Gainesville and I shared a word and some of you may have heard it that we're here and I just can't get away from it. And I'm going to go back into that word. I'm not going to preach the same thing, but I'm going to go deeper. Can I do that this morning? I was going to teach on something else, but I want to go here. And if you haven't watched it or, or you can see it, you can go on our YouTube at freechapel.org and you can see it there. But I preached the message and I called it significant suffering significant suffering. And I'm going to go back there this morning and dive into this a little bit more. And I know that title doesn't sit well with a lot of his suffering. I don't know. But the reason why I called it significant, because you got as a saint, as a Christian, we got to have the right perspective. And so the scripture says in first Peter chapter five, verse six, it says this, therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he might exalt you in due time, casting your care upon him for he cares for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Verse 9 says, to resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. Verse 10, but may the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect a stat. Why did I get high when I did that? After, did you catch that? I don't know what. That sounds weird. After you have suffered a while, he will perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. To him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever. By Silvanius, our faithful brother, as I consider him, I have written to you briefly, and I'll stop there. Um, like I said, for the sake of time, I'm not going to digress. I encourage you to go back and look at uh, part one. But um, I, I will make this statement because in a Gallup poll, people were asked the following question. If you could meet God face to face and ask him one question, what would you ask? And the number one question that was asked through a Gallup poll was this. Why is there suffering in the world? Is it amazing out of all the questions that they could have asked, they wanted to know about suffering? But I want you to understand that um, I'll give you these quick points. You go back, is this, that suffering in the context in the, is the fruit of a fallen world as a result of sin and the choice of mankind. Suffering can be caused from personal sins, uh, personal sins and failures, other people's sins and their failures, forces that you cannot control or results of even your personal faith. In other words, failures can come in various ways at various times. But I want to encourage you that no matter how they come, we serve a God that is faithful, that knows how to use even seasons of suffering to turn around for your good and to bring him glory. Even if you're the one that caused it, even if you're the one that messed up, even if you're the one that made the bad decision, we serve a God that is merciful and gracious enough and said, I still can take your mistakes 
and turning them around. Come on, somebody, and get glory out of it, and you can benefit even from your suffering. But we must understand that redemption doesn't guarantee us immunity from trials. The Christian who thinks that just because he or she is saved, that they're not going to go, be, that they're going to be shielded from trouble and hardship and opposition and adversity, you need a rude awakening this morning. It's not going to be the case. The Bible teaches us that we will go through things and face things and face hardships and adversities. Let me just put it like this to free some people up. Being saved doesn't hedge you from trouble. Watch this. I'm not declaring this negatively, but Christians get sick. Christians' marriages fall apart sometime. Christian parents, Christian parents have trouble with their Christian kids. I'm not going to get no main mans up in here. Christians have financial troubles. Christians walk through some pretty dark times and hard times. And Jesus tells us in John 16, 33, he said, in this world, you're going to go through a little something, something, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. I have already overcome what's trying to overwhelm you. So just because I'm a believer, I'm blood-bought and born again, it doesn't mean that I will not face hardship and struggle. I don't care. You can have more degrees than a thermometer. You can preach all across the world. You can have, you, you can do this. You can be in a small group. You can do this. You can do, you can be in church for all your lives. But at some point, we will face opposition and suffering in various forms. But the word of God is to be of good cheer. I'm not saying it's going to be easy. I'm not making light of any person that's gone through hardship or even currently going through hard times. But as the body of Christ, as, the, as, as children of the living God, it's important. And that's why Peter was writing that we have the right perspective. That God knows how to do something significant with your suffering. Notice what the scripture said this. And I'm going to jump right into it. Understand it said... And then 1 Peter 4.10, he said this. He said, but may the God of all grace who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus. Listen to this. After you have suffered a while. Say after this. Come on. After you have suffered a while, he will perfect, establish, and strengthen, and settle you. Notice what he said. There's an outcome on the other side of this. There's an intended purpose of this suffering. He said, after you suffer a while, number one, you ready? I'm going to teach this morning. He said, on the other side of suffering, number one, he said, it will perfect you. Perfect you. And what I love about this, he said, the God of all grace. Because here's, here's, here, here's, here's the goal of grace. I'm giving you these four things as the goal of grace, but the way that I'm going to get through it is because of the grace of God. And he said, I'm the God of all grace, not a little bit of grace, not, a, not some grace, but the God of all grace. In other words, I have all the grace you need to get through whatever situation that you're up against. In other words, there will always be grace for the hardship that you face. I'm going to say it again. There will always be grace for the hardship that you face. Hardships will never have the upper hand on God's grace. Sin will never have the upper hand on God's grace. God's grace will always outweigh the opposition you face. And he said, my grace is going to help you through this. But number one, he said, it will perfect you. What does that mean? That word perfect means to restore, to mend what is broken and make complete. It means to equip, 
repair, render complete. Here it is, soundness, whole, and maturity. In other words, when he said perfect you, I'll use suffering as a means to perfect, not without flaws, but to move you toward a place of maturity. A believer might start at the altar, but we don't stay at the altar. Christianity is about progressive growth. Oh, I'm not going to get nothing. You see, <laughs> listen, 1 Peter, he, he wrote these words in 1 Peter chapter 2. He said, lay aside all malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, evil speaking as newborn babes. Here it is. Desire the pure milk of the word that you might grow thereby. The goal of, is growth for the believer. I'm not supposed to stay where I am for the rest of my believer's life. I should be further along this year than I was last year. Come on, somebody. Uh, my prayer life should be further than thou lay me down to see, sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I shall die before I wake, I praise the Lord my soul to take. Now, that might be good if you first got saved. Now, if you've been up here about 20 years, we got a problem. I can't. Okay, I'm, I, yeah, I'm on the right track this morning. See, 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 issues, listen, what, I, what, what got me is in 1 Corinthians, Paul, in 1 Corinthians, they begins to teach the Corinthian church what got me. He's rebuking them about carnality because their carnality was a result of their immaturity. Here's what I'm going to show you. But the Corinthian church was one of the most gifted churches that Paul oversaw. It's in Corinthians where we talk about all the gifts of the Spirit. But yet it was the same church he was having to correct for carnality and immaturity. I'm going to throw one other, and immorality. Which tells me, I'm going to preach you right now, which tells me that just because you're gifted don't mean you're grown. That your gift don't grow you. Your talent don't mature you. And you can be talented and gifted and also and perfect in all of your ways, but it doesn't mean that you are mature in God. And some people will substitute a gift and a talent and work for God and think it's having a relationship with God and growing up in God, but it's not. I'm going to throw you another one. Being mature as a believer doesn't mean just because you've been in church 50 years doesn't mean you're mature. You can have perfect attendance to church for 30 years and still be immature. I've been in church all of my life. That's good. I've read through the Bible 20 times. How many out of those 20 did the Bible read through you? Because real Christian maturity is how well I live my life in accordance to the will of God. You might have a brand new believer that may not know Hebrew, that may not know Greek, may not know theology, but they will have two or three scriptures that they walk consistently in obedience to. And you can have somebody that can quote all 66 books and is just rebellious and disobedient. And God said, I'll look at that new convert and say, that's maturity and that's Why is this important? Because see, this is what Peter had to deal with. I'm moving around a lot, ain't I? I know, I know. But, but because this is Peter, he was one who even wrote this. He had to go through a maturing process. Peter had temper tantrums and stuff. That joker would cut you and cuss you. 
act up if you want to. He just had this thing. He just, just flipping on, running off at the mouth all the time. Just burn. See, because see, maturity, watch this. When you mature, you learn how to respond in the spirit and not just react in the flesh. We got so many people that, you don't believe me, go to Facebook. Uh-oh. But anyway, I'm going to stay out of that. But we respond not in the spirit, but react in the flesh. And what God is want is mature believers. I'm going to tell you why. Because that same word maturity, watch this was the word that was described, I love this, of the mending of the nets of the fishermen like Peter was. In other words, when the nets would stretch because of the fish that they caught, they had to go in between and sew them together. And every time they sewed them together, they expanded. In other words, it increased the capacity. And God loves you so much and in your future, he has great capacity. But some of us don't have the maturity or the character where we are to be able to handle it. Because well, let me show you, I'm going to prove it. Peter, when it came to fishing, Jesus told Peter, he had toiled all night. He was doing it, doing it his way. That's how I need to do it. I've been doing this all my life. I grew up doing this. I grew up doing this. You can't tell me where to fish. I'll give that. Jesus said, well, you've been doing it all night. It ain't caught nothing. And he said, launch out into the deep and throw your nets. Listen to these words on the other side. And the Bible said that Peter threw a net. Go back and proof text me. He threw a net, but Jesus said threw nets. And when he threw a net, the Bible said the catch was so big, it broke the nets. And they had, Jesus had to call other ships and other boats to come and get the catch. What's my point? See, Jesus had a, watch this, a net's capacity for Peter. But Peter's character and immaturity only had a net. You didn't hear what I just said. When Jesus looks at you, he don't see you just with a single net. He looks at your future and say, I want nets. Okay, he didn't just look at Peter and just see a fisherman. He saw an apostle on the day of Pentecost. When God looks at you, he looks through you for the capacity that he's created for you. And I'm here to declare that if you allow God to continue to mature you and grow up in him, there is a capacity in your future that is greater than anything that you ever experienced. I'm just trying to tell you there is more for you, your family, your children, but we got to grow up. Second thing, you ready? Perfect you. Can I go there? Number two, he said he will establish you. Establish you. What does he mean? In the faith. That word establish means make you stronger, more able to endure, to be as firm as granite or steel. In other words, one, one translation said being tempered like steel. Th this is quite interesting to me. Is that... The Bible said, Jesus said, Satan has desire to sift you as wheat when he's talking to Peter. And he said, I prayed for you, but I prayed that your faith would fail not. Did you catch that? He didn't pray that Jesus wouldn't, um, that Peter wouldn't fall. You ever thought about that? He didn't say, I, I don't pray that you don't fall. I don't pray that you don't make mistakes. I don't pray that you don't, you know, you know, blow it every now and then. He said, I pray that your faith don't fail. Because he understood, Peter, if you don't 
Watch this. If even if you fall, but if you keep the faith, you can get back up again. And what he's saying is, I want to move you from fickle and phony faith. I want to move you from vacillating back and forth. I want to get you to the place that your faith is firm and steadfast despite what you go through in life. In other words, oh, I got to get here. Understand, I want your faith to be so fixed because see, Peter didn't have a problem, watch this, with privately declaring his faith. He failed when he had to do it publicly. He bragged about his faith to the disciples. Are y'all going to fall away, but I'm going to stay here the whole time. I know y'all jokers, you're weak anyway. I'm always here. Jesus, I'm going to ride or die. I'm here to the end. We're in this thing together. I'll never forsake. I'll die before I walk away from you. Privately. But he got in public in front of the Sanhedrin in the courtyard and the ladies that were standing outside and the people. And the Bible said he denied them in front of everyone. What am I trying to say? Do you have a faith that you only go, ooh, do you have a faith that you only proclaim in private? Or do you have a faith that you're bold about in public? Because some people can be, watch this, they're good in faith around the disciples. But what about the, 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 the people at work? What about in the lunchroom? What about on the work field? What about the unsaved family members? Am I just, and when I say bold, I'm not talking about being crazy and, 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 I, and I'm talking about that. But are you just as bold and steadfast in your faith in public as you are private? We got too many low-key Christians. We got, oh, come on, somebody. No, no, no. Listen, this world is dying. This world is hurting. This world is broken. This world needs hope. This world needs answers. And this is not the time for the church of the living God to be somewhere hidden, being fickle in our faith. But this is the time, I'm talking to me too, that we got to stand strong in what we believe, our standards, and what this Bible teaches us, whether I'm in prayer, private or whether I'm in public the Bible said that our light should not be hid but it shall be on a city top shining to a whole world so we can let our light so shine before men that they can see the good works and glorify our God you and I may be the only lights that someone see in public that brings them out of the dark times of discouragement and lead them to the cross at Calvary where they can find life and life more abundantly in Jesus Christ. It's time for the church to come out of hiding and come to the forefront of our nation and our world and declare the truth of Jesus. Can I get five people to agree with me this morning? Next one. I'm just going to preach. How, can I just preach you how I feel? It? He, he said the next thing I want to do is to strengthen you. I want to use it to strengthen you. He said something interesting. He said, Satan desired to sift you as wheat, Peter. He said, but I pray for you that your faith faileth not. And he said, but after you return, you're going to strengthen your brethren. Did you catch that? After you return, you're going to strengthen your brother. Romans 15 says that strength is for service and not for status. This is where I felt the Lord just deal with me. Watch this. Sometimes what you go through is not just about you. God wants to turn, watch this, your suffering into ministry 
God Almighty. He doesn't waste pain. I'm talking to some people in here this morning who've been through hell. I'm talking to some people who here this morning to know what it's like to lose everything, to lose job and lose cars, lose houses and almost feel like you're going to lose your mind. I'm talking to some people in here who suffered from drug addiction and alcohol addiction and suffered from abuse and abandonment and have gone through the hard struggles of life and didn't even think you think you were going to make it. But by the grace of God, you are here. And God does not want that suffering to sit in that seat, but he wants that suffering to get out in the streets and tell somebody that you may be an addict. I used to be, but there's a God that can set you free. You might be broke, busted, and disgusted, but there's a God that knows how to restore and knows how to revive. God wants to turn your suffering into ministry. He said, the same comfort that I comfort you with, I want to use you to comfort others. If I brought you out of drugs, I want to use you to bring somebody out of drugs. If I brought you out of abuse, I want to use you to bring somebody out of abuse. If I brought you out of poverty, I want to raise you up and use you as a kingdom financer and to be a blessing to people. He will turn your suffering into ministry. Something about suffering that, that, that stirs the anointing. I started thinking about this. Paul and Silas, the Bible said, at midnight, when they began to sing praises to the Lord, after they had been beaten, after their backs laid open, bloody, all for the sake of Jesus Christ, the Bible said, this is what got me, that when the prisoners heard them, that the doors were open. Y'all have heard this story, right? And the chains were broken. Wait a minute. This is what dawned on me, though. I don't believe it was the first time. I, wish, I hope my worship team hear this. I don't believe it was the first time those prisoners heard music. I don't believe... It was the first time they heard a song sang. I don't believe it was the first time they heard a hymn. But what I do believe is it was the first time that they heard praise on the other side of pain. I do believe that it was the first time that they heard a worship that came out of blood-beaten backs. I do believe it was the first time that they saw some people that looked like death should have swallowed them up, but they still had a smile on their face and their hands lifted in fetters with a joy in their heart saying to God be the glory for the things that he had done because there's something about a praise when you've been through hell, it sounds different. Let me talk to my young people. It hit different when you got an anointing when you sing. It hits different when you're anointed to preach. It hits different when you have an anointing to teach because that's the thing that destroys the yoke. When I see people stand on a platform and sing and the glory falls, my question is not where they went to school, who trained them. It's none of that. I want to know what kind of hell have they gone through because you don't get a praise like that somebody say establish I'm hurrying strengthen 
Last one is settle you. He said, I'll settle you. Matthew chapter seven says this, and the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house and it did not fall for it was founded upon a rock. I want you to see something with me. When it said settle you, it was actually an architectural term in the Greek and it means to lay a foundation or a deep foundation for a building. The Bible said in Matthew 7, watch this, that a hearer and a doer is a wise builder that has a solid foundation. Are you following me? So a hearer and a doer has the capacity to create depth. Watch this. But James says this, if you are a hearer and not a doer, it says you deceive yourselves because you think hearing is doing. So hearing and doing creates depth. But when you think hearing is doing, you're in deception. So it's not enough for me to hear a sermon. I got to do a sermon. It's not enough for me to hear them worship. I got to have my own worship. It's not enough to just to hear podcasts and I'm for it. Hear sermons online and I'm for it. Hear everybody else's devotion. But you got to get your own hearer and doer. Watch this. Did you know Simon? What it, but when Jesus changed um, Peter's name from Simon to Peter, the word Simon means hear or hearing. And when he changed his name, what did he change it to? To rock. I got to change you just from hearing, Peter. Oh, you missed it. Because I need you to be rock solid in your foundation of faith. I'm going to change your name. I got a whole lot of people that are hearing, but I don't have enough people that are doing. And the only way that I'm going to get depth is by my do and not just my hear. Isaiah said, you got to put roots downward that you can bear fruit upward. The scripture said, he said, if you want to see fruit above the ground, you got to get some roots in the ground. Don't expect to see fruit on top if you don't have depth in your walk. And what God is calling us to, Listen to me, he's calling all of us to a deeper place in him. The days of shallow Christianity are over. I'm telling you, shallow Christianity got exposed in 2020. So many people got washed away with the tide of all hell breaking loose in this nation. And God is gracious and he's merciful and people are coming back. And I don't mean just coming to a building, but, but they're coming. But I saw many people, believers, Go back to stuff that God delivered them from. Go back to places that God brought them out of. And they sat in service and service and service and church and church and church. But when the hardships and struggles come, men walking out on their wives, wives cheating on their husbands, 
Kids don't know what to do. That's why we're doing everything that we can to get our kids solid and firm in the word of God and starting back our, our youth. The devil is a lie. He will not have you and he ain't gonna have our kids. But we gotta have more than a here, church. We gotta have a do that creates doubt. Deeper in prayer, deeper in worship, deeper in praise, deeper in our consecration. Doing more than just a religious routine on Sunday. We need church on Monday. Church on Tuesday. I'm glad that you're here. But you're more important tomorrow when you get into this. Tuesday when you get into this. Wednesday when you get into this. When you sit down with your family and talk through this. As they come to the music, I'm winding up. Are you still with me? Then Peter says this, I got to hurry. What time is it? Yeah, I got to hurry. He said this, he said, I want to do things. He said, there's several things when you're going through that I want to remind you. Are you ready? He said, when you're going through this season of suffering, he said this, humble yourselves. Write that down. Say, I got to humble myself. In other words, watch this. I'm going to give it real quick. Relinquish your desire to control the situation. When God is taking you through a season and you're going through things, we want to control. We want to dictate. God, you should come through when I need you to come through. I said it. I declared it. No, 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 no. Humble yourself. Humble yourself is an exchange from your hands to his hand. Because he said, I resist the proud, but I give grace to the humble. When God sees proud, he resists. Pride, he resists. When he sees humility, he releases. And if you take your hands off of it, some of us got our hands in everything. Your hands are in the way of his hands. And the moment that you pull your hands back, you release his hands in. Because it's me putting it in his hands. Parents, you need to hear this with that wayward child. Put them in his hands. Put them in their hands. Put them in their hands. Put them in their hands. Sometimes you got to set boundaries, but put them in their hands. And I've taught you this before. It's not that you give up on them, but you do give them up. You give them up in the hands that are bigger than your hands and the hands that can do what your hands can never be able to do. Number two, he said, resist the devil. I'm winding up. You still with me? You're going to get to the lunchroom. He said, resist the devil. Say, resist the devil. Submit yourself under, the, under God and resist the devil. And he will flee from you. Submit yourself to God. Submit to his word. I'm going to show you something. When Jesus, when the devil fleed from Jesus in Matthew chapter 4, he fleed or he flew. Is it fleed or flew? He fled. I knew that. I was just saying if y'all paying attention. But he fled. He fled. Is it fled or what is it? Y'all know what I mean? He fleed. I'm gonna say what I want to say. He fleed. And you know what I mean. Y'all say some stuff I don't know what you mean. Fleed. He fled. But the Bible said this. Why did he flee? He fled. Watch this. Because of what Jesus said. When Jesus starts speaking, 
the enemy start fleeing. So the way that he resisted the devil was by speaking God's word. You can't resist him with your opinion. You can't resist him with your thoughts. You can't resist him with your emotions and your feelings and your hot temper. You gotta have a word to speak and he runs, he flees. Are you ready? I'm about to be done, but I gotta give you this and I'm closing. Here's what I saw, I never saw this before. Peter said he walks about as a roaring lion. Not that he was a lion. A lion. Sound like I was saying lion. Y'all know what I mean. As a roaring lion. As, but not is, Chris. So he's not a lion, but he acts as one. He uses his roar or his mouth to create fear. Are you following me? But watch this. When you speak the word, Revelation said that Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah. And not only is he the lion of the tribe of Judah, but Jesus is the word. So when I speak the word and I speak Jesus, I'm actually speaking lion. Okay, throw this clip up real quick and I'm gonna end on this. I'm gonna help you. I'm gonna illustrate what I'm trying to get to and you're gonna see this. Watch this right here. <laughs> that was it? <laughs> If you ever come near my son again. Oh, this is this is your son. Oh, your son. Oh, oh, did you know that? No, me. I, I didn't know. No, did you? No, of course not. Oh. Ed. Stop that. What? What? Uh, hold on. Did you see that? See, see. When Lil Simba was speaking his words, it did nothing to the enemy. When the words of the Father came behind the Son, come on, he didn't just speak like a lion. That devil heard the lion. He heard the lion of the tribe of Judah whose roar is greater than your opposition. And what I've come to tell you, the devil better know whose son you are, whose daughter you are, that you are the son and the daughter of the Most High God. And you got a roar that he can't, come on, that he has to free. It's your roar that enable you to resist him. I'm, I'm ending, but I need 20 people to roar. I need somebody to roar with a praise. I need somebody to roar with a hallelujah. I need somebody to roar over your children, roar over your finances, roar over your health, roar over your future, roar over your ministry. You got a roar that's a whole lot greater than the devil's talk. This season is significant for many of you. It's been hard, it's tough. This season has been significant. Isaiah said, 
you brought me through the fire and it didn't burn me you brought me through the oh God the waters and the waves didn't consume me but oh you're bringing me into a wealthy place I'm here to prophesy we're coming into a wealthy place come on I said we're coming we're coming into a place like never before you're coming into a place like never before this church is coming into a place like never before the body of Christ is coming to a place like never before right here last night I was praying and I don't know what this means and I'm careful but I I felt like I heard the Lord speak in my spirit. And I heard this, the limitations are lifted. Get ready for the stretching. I don't know what all that means. And maybe that was a word for somebody that the limitations are lifting, but get ready for the stretching. What's been restricting you, what's been holding you back, what's been keeping you back is about to break, is about to loose, is about to leave, and you're about to be like in a slingshot and cat, oh my God, and shot forward in a velocity in a way like never before. The limitations are lifting. Get ready for the stretching. For more information about this message or to join us at one of our live services at Free Chapel Spartanburg, visit freechapel.org Spartanburg. Thank you for listening, and we look forward to seeing you soon at Free Chapel Spartanburg.